Hi guys. Well, it's great to be here with you all. Um, we've had a fantastic sense of God speaking to us so far in, in the meeting and our, our time together. And I really want to encourage you to continue that sense of expectation. Um, right now, um, my my prayer has been that God will, you know, he, he's, he's the only one that can take one message and preach like I don't know how many people are tuning into this or will watch it later on YouTube but how many that is you know he can speak an individual message to each individual person watching and it's my heart today that you would hear what God has put on uh, his heart what is on his heart for you um, because he he wants to speak with you we are going to be continuing our series we've been working through the gospel of Mark um, and this has given us a fresh opportunity as a church to uh, look at the life and ministry of Jesus. Um, Mark is, is very unique in the sense that it captures this sort of momentum um, and the like action, things popping off all over the place just with his short paragraphs, short punchy um, accounts. Um, and, and so many of them begin with things like and suddenly or immediately uh, and they walk to this place or so-and-so traveled here or there. There's movement, there's stuff happening. There's so much momentum and energy to it. And so this series is designed to help us get infused with um, some of that sense of excitement uh, of being caught up in Jesus's mission. So today we've reached uh, a later part in Mark chapter two. Last week, David was speaking to us about the... Um, uh, the man who was paralyzed and was lowered through the roof. Um, and today we're in Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. And our, our title for today is Jesus, the one who calls. So if you want to uh, just be turning there now or flicking there now, whatever, um, clicking and flicking, um, <laughs> we'll dive into the passage in, uh, in a moment. But I wanted to just give it some context before we do so. Uh, so we're still in Capernaum. Now, this was a, a town or a city located in the north of Israel around the Sea of Galilee. Um, and it's here that Jesus is, is walking by the sea and he meets a man called Levi, uh, who was also called Matthew. Uh, he worked in what was probably a sort of a, a port um, attached to the, uh, the city, the town. And it was where people would come and go, you know, bringing trade across the, the Sea of Galilee um, in their ships. And he would be there. He was a tax collector, so he would be collecting in the taxes of uh, on the goods, I guess, that were arriving. Um, so it was a real hub of, of activity. So we pick the story up, as I say, in Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 13. <clears throat> I'll just read that now. So he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, first of all, who was this guy, Levi? Well, we, we don't actually know a whole lot about him, 
we know that he was uh, eventually uh, among one of the 12 disciples that were sort of Jesus' close-knit uh, uh, group, companions. Um, he was with Jesus throughout his ministry, and he would have been a witness to Jesus's resurrection. Um, we can we can imagine something of what society might have felt about this guy um, as, a, as a tax collector. And I was trying to think of an example to, to perhaps bring this a bit more home to us. And um, I thought of something from the um, there was a TV series a couple of years ago called uh, Band of Brothers. Some of you will be familiar with it, no doubt. And it um, tells the the true story of uh, Easy Company of the uh, 501st Airborne Unit of um, the American um, paratroopers who were dropped into uh, uh, Europe, Normandy on D-Day and it carries on their story right through to the end of the war. And uh, there's an episode where they enter a city um, or a, a town called Eindhoven in the Netherlands. And the German army have been retreating as they've been advancing. So Germany, uh, the German army pulls out, the allied troops enter Eindhoven and there's a sort of a, a procession almost as these, these jeeps and tanks and men pour through the streets. There's crowds cheering along the sides of the road. You know, they're waving flags. They're so happy to see this liberating force coming in. Um, and as you follow the, um, the, the procession, as it were, you see a scene. There's a, a, a sort of an opening in the crowd. They're all surrounding these people who are being shoved into the middle. Um, and there's people sort of shaking their fists and shouting. And um, these people in the middle of the circle are having their hair like sort of rather roughly cut off with shears or scissors. Um, and their clothes are torn and people are um, really angry at them. And it's explained that these were Nazi sympathizers. They were people who had helped the Nazis oppress their, their own people. And that sense of anger and fr frustration and fury at people who should have had your back uh, betraying you and helping this oppressing army to, to do that is a sense of what the tax collectors would have been seen as, you know, hated by their own people. And so Levi's sitting there at his booth at this port and Jesus walks along and walks in front of him. And Jesus stops and he says to this man, this tax collector, come and follow me. And that, was, that was an invitation. Come and be part of what I am a part of. Be associated with me. So it was more than just come here. It was an invitation into Jesus's life. So imagine watching that as a Jew, like how scandalized you'd be. Imagine if Jesus walked into this, you know, gathering of, of um uh, people and said to one of these Nazi sympathizers, hey, you come follow me. Oh, you'd just be so scandalized. And that's probably something of what fueled the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees when they say to Jesus, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he associating with these kinds of people? And Jesus gives his, his reply, which is a, a summary of the purpose of his mission. He, he, he sort of knows that they're, they're self-righteous. You know, they've got this sense of being puffed up about themselves and so in his answer, he sort of almost grants them for a moment. All right, fine. I'll, I'll take you at your, your self-righteousness and say that you are righteous. Well, in that case, I've not come to call the righteous. You know, what he really means is those who are self-righteous, but to call sinners, people just like Levi. So we're going to come back to that in a moment, but we're going to just walk through a little bit about, about Levi for a few minutes more. So first of all, 
how did Levi see himself? What did he think about himself? We talked about how the Jewish society saw him. How did he see himself? Now, in terms of identity, we can probably imagine something of what he might have uh, been feeling towards himself. You know, he might well have been uh, an outcast from his own family um, and from society, lacking a sense of identity, because for them in Middle Eastern times and even, uh, sorry, in the Middle East and in, in those ancient times and indeed now, family forms a big sense of your identity. Who am I? Oh, I'm son of so-and-so. I'm associated with this family that has you know, a certain reputation, a certain uh, name for itself. And I'm part of that. That's who I am. So he might well have been an outcast from that because he was so hated by everybody. Um, so he would have been outside of that sense of identity and, and lacking that part of himself. Um, maybe he, he was hating what he was doing. He didn't like the fact perhaps that he worked for this oppressing regime. Um, and maybe he also felt trapped in it. So he was a bit conflicted perhaps. Maybe he was lacking a sense of purpose. And, and suddenly Jesus stops and uh, he, he would have looked at Jesus and, and known a little bit of, of something about him, you know, miracle worker, the, these stories of him um, healing the paralyzed man and, and others would have filtered through to Levi, no doubt. Uh, would have recognized that he was a, a man with incredible authority, a teacher. He was starting to lead this growing movement, which was unlike anything they'd seen before. Um, and he, he might have then perceived Jesus as being a way out, a way out of his, his hated profession, perhaps, or as someone who was maybe sort of in with the Jewish society and, and maybe a way for him to kind of get a bit more acceptance there. Um, even if Jesus wasn't completely of the Jewish society, he was still in with it. Maybe he was a, um, a teacher teaching people a new way to live life and maybe Levi would find answers in that um, or maybe he was just curious to find out more about this man who was doing these amazing things we don't know for sure why Levi chose to follow Jesus uh, but we know that Jesus stands before him and, and we can understand something of what it might led him to respond immediately just immediately to say all right yes I'm following you I'm coming he probably had some inkling that Jesus was what he needed to have a new shot at life and then from the moment he followed Jesus and got up and, and said yes, he began like this great journey. You know, we, we can read of, of all that Jesus did with his disciples and, and Matthew, Levi went along on all of that. But he was no longer to see himself as, as that tax collector. He had a, a new identity. Like he, he was one who'd been called by Jesus and that formed part of this new identity that Jesus would begin sort of shaping in him and in the 12 and the rest of his disciples. He, he was a called one. He was part of Jesus's like, missional movement. And, and I love how it immediate his response to follow was. And, and as, a, as a church, as KCC, and as individuals that, that make that up, we are called by Jesus into that exact same movement. You know, at some point in our lives, we realize that Jesus was calling us. And being aware of our need for him, we sort of metaphorically got up and followed him. That moment when we, we said yes to following him. 
and, and like Levi, we're on that journey, aren't we, of having our identity sort of shaped and changed and chipped away at. And we're to devote ourselves to seeing ourselves, not as we were before Christ, but as called ones, called by Jesus to join him who, who calls not the righteous, but the, the sick, the sinners. So is a, is a question for us. Um, when we find ourselves in similar situations to Levi, where Jesus is beckoning us to follow him into something, what does it take for us to respond immediately? Uh, I'm not talking about when Jesus called us sort of into salvation, you know, into relationship with him, into that repentance, that turning our back on our sin and uh, us being on the throne of our lives and calling us into him being on the throne of our lives and following him. I'm, I'm not talking about that specifically, but I'm talking about the sort of opportunities that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and I as Christians into each and every day. So, um, for example, that could be opportunities to mention that we are Christians. That could be to share something of our story. Um, it might be we, we hear a prophetic word that God has given to us or a, a word of knowledge um, to, to share with somebody. Uh, it might be the chance to share the gospel or to pray with somebody. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into daily encounters with other people like Jesus had in his ministry. Um, but what does it take for us to be ready to follow Jesus into them? And so today I want to help us answer that question. So I've got two challenges here for us to think about uh, that can help us to prepare our hearts to be ready. So the first challenge is to, to count the cost beforehand. Now, if you want to, you can turn to Luke chapter 14, uh, looking at verses 28, um, and we'll read a few and, and, and dot through. So, um, yeah, Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 28. Jesus is, is talking to his disciples about this very idea of counting the cost. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now jump down to verse 33. One of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So to be able to act immediately the way that Levi did we must first count the cost of acting of building that tower now um I remember a couple of years ago I was out for a walk one night um I can't remember if it was still light or not but um it was windy and there must have been the bins collection the next morning because all the bins were out lining the path and I remember walking along the pavement and seeing in front of me a bin that had blown over, a recycling bin. Some of the recycling had spilled out. And um, as I saw it, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I could, I could do a good deed here, you know, for um, picking up some of this recycling and putting it back into the bin and standing the bin up again. You know, that would be a lovely thing to do to serve the, the person whose bin it was um, and, and anybody else who might walk on the path after I did. Um, you know, I could, it'd be good to do something good in, in Jesus' name. 
and and so I had this thought and I was walking towards the bin and then I kind of became conscious of the other people on the street who were walking um, and I chickened out in the end I didn't pick it up um, and it was because I was conscious of what these other people might think of me if I went out of my way to kind of be kind to somebody and I, I got a bit uh, embarrassed by that um, and it's I know it's only a simple example but it stayed with me um, it kind of said to me that if I wasn't willing to do something like actually simple and small for Jesus for fear of what other people would think about me like goodness I mean I wasn't willing to do very much for him really if, if this low cost thing was still too much you know what was I going to do for him so for me it's been an ongoing journey of learning to anchor my sense of identity and security in the identity Jesus gives me <clears throat> to the point that I'm prepared to like renounce everything I have you know in that case it was I suppose um reputation isn't quite the right word because none of these people really knew me or cared who I was but um a sense of who I am in other people's eyes that sense of dignity I guess or, or reputation maybe um to count that as already lost so that in those moments I'm not afraid to lose something like that because I've already counted it as lost you can't lose what you don't have right so for us it is it is vital that we we spend time like praying through this stuff in the private place allowing the holy spirit to lead us into repentance you know um choosing not to allow these things to be um so defining to who we are and putting our identity our trust in in who jesus says that we are um to build that resolve that's necessary to act immediately in the moment um so that's the that's the first thing is, is counting the cost beforehand um and on my walk after i passed the bin i continued walking and i started feeling convicted you know the stuff that i've already said um so i i sort of did a bit of a loop and, and i resolved on the way back all right i'm going to seize the opportunity i i counted the cost i might look silly but that's silly. I don't need to worry about what other people are going to think of me. I'm going to pick the bin up and I'm going to put the recycling into it and I'm going to do my good deed. <laughs> um, and as I came closer to, to where the bin was on my way back again, uh, somebody had beaten me to it. Maybe it was the owner, maybe it was somebody else who, who'd walked along. The bin was standing up, the recycling was cleared away and, and there was no more problem, nothing for me to do. And, um, in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and I felt him say to me um, that sometimes you don't get a second chance at an opportunity to act for me. And, and I realized I've, I've missed, missed my shot. And so the second challenge for us today is to count the cost of, of inaction. It's the sort of the reverse to count the cost of in, inaction. Sometimes uh, those moments go past us and, and we can't get them back again. If we don't, if we don't take chances in the moment to, to open up and maybe share something of our lives, then we've got to, we've got to be thinking about what that might cost. So who might miss out on seeing who Jesus really is? Who might miss out on seeing that he really is alive and has the power to make a difference in people's everyday lives? 
you know, if we don't share something of our testimony, then then who's going to stay stuck in in hopelessness or despair or confusion because we haven't we haven't opened that up? If we don't um, take take steps of courage, uh, maybe to to pray for the sick or to share the gospel, then then we've got to think about who's going to miss out on being healed or on hearing about the the mercy and salvation that that we have found in Jesus. And and in that, of course, we've got to be wise because it it doesn't mean that just because an opportunity seems to be there, that that that's the right setting to take advantage of it. You know, sometimes let's say if we're at work, actually our workplace isn't a place where we can speak freely about the gospel. Um, and, And we've got to be wise in how we apply this, but we've got to then think of Holy Spirit. If you're putting this on my heart to, you know, this person has shared a struggle that they're going through. And, and I know you've taken me through that myself and you've brought me through it. You've given me the strength. You've delivered me from it. I want to share something of that. And now is not the right time. Will you give me another opportunity? I'll go in with my eyes open. I'm looking for it, but will you lead me into it? You know, it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit in this. So we do have to be wise but we've also got to be aware of the cost. We mustn't hold back because of a sense of insecurity. So there are opportunities all around us. And we have, again, we have to spend time in the place of prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to to break open our hearts and to pour in the compassion uh, and the, the love that drove Jesus to do all that he did. So we've talked about Levi and, and the place that maybe he was in when, when Jesus stood before him and how Jesus took him and, and brought him into a new sense of identity. He was no longer the, the old tax collector. He was this new man caught up in Jesus's missional movement, a called one. And we've talked about how we can be ready to seize the opportunities that the Holy Spirit puts before us as we follow Jesus, we continue to to live out our call. That we've got to count the cost beforehand, that we've got to be aware of the cost of inaction. So that we can reach out to to those that don't know Jesus. And I, I want you to think now, what what was your like life like before you came to Christ? I mean, for some of us, I gave my life to Jesus when I was four years old. My mum sat me down and shared the, the gospel of, with me that, that the things that I do wrong had separated me from a, a loving and, but a holy and a just God. And so therefore, I was, I was facing um, having to pay the penalty for those, those things that I'd done wrong. But in his love, God had made it possible for me to be forgiven, for me to be made clean and made new and united with him. So for me, my journey has been one of learning to allow Jesus to be sort of king of my whole life. You know, you spot areas that you're not living for him in, uh, areas where you're insecure or whatever, um, and, and he isn't allowed to be the full king of your life. So maybe that resonates with you, or maybe there was a moment where it was a sort of a, a flip moment where you became aware that Jesus was calling you and you responded. Maybe you, you were feeling that you needed a sense of peace or freedom, or maybe forgiveness, or um, perhaps purpose and identity, a bit like Levi, maybe. 
and and now that we we've come to Jesus or now we're in relationship with him uh we found that he's given us what he's given us that peace he's given us freedom he's given us forgiveness he's given us purpose and identity he's given us whatever it was that we we knew we needed and so we joined his his missional movement we are called ones we're part of that that missional movement that he started 2000 years ago which is still on earth now to continue to keep calling uh, not the righteous but but sinners but right now how many people is jesus calling to himself you know that that call is going out there even right now the holy spirit is working people's hearts and minds to draw them to jesus how many people is he calling to himself right now and out of that how many of them are pe- the people that we know, the people that we sort of meet and encounter and rub shoulders with every day? So I, I want to f- finish just by asking us uh, a final question. What, what value have we placed on our calling as individuals watching this and as KCC, King's Community Church, as a church community? You know, do we take church? Do we take like taking action for Jesus? Uh, do we take prayer in the quiet place? Do we do we take any of that lightly in any way? Have we counted the cost and seen that that actually it, the cost of action pales in comparison to this fantastic calling that Jesus has given to us? To this new sense of identity of being part of His missional movement. You know, we are beloved sons and daughters for eternity that nothing can shake or change that now in him we've been called to be part of his purpose reaching out to the world bringing hope and life into the lives of people who desperately need it as jesus builds his kingdom in people's hearts have we allowed the cost of inaction to pierce our hearts so that we live from this this sense of imperative of i've got to i'm scared maybe I'm, I'm concerned about stepping out or telling people I'm a Christian or, or praying for somebody or sharing the gospel. I'm, I'm daunted by that. But I know that the cost of not doing it is even greater than anything I might lose. Because if, if we as a church, if KCC is going to continue to grow in being even more effective in partnering with the holy spirit and seeing him change the lives of the people we know and care about we've got to keep cultivating the conditions in our hearts so when an opportunity presents itself to respond immediately just like levi did we don't have to think too hard to live from who we are from our calling rather than being held back by insecurity so i'd love us to to take some time now with the holy spirit to give him some space to speak into our hearts and to to bring anything to mind that is is holding us back from pressing forward with him maybe it's we've got to we've got to count the cost of something or maybe it's we want him to just gently pierce our hearts and fill them with his compassion so that we are aware of the cost of of inaction so i've asked uh, nick and claire if they can just play quietly for us and I'm going to hand over to them now um and then we're gonna we're gonna join together and and sing a song together that just reaffirms like this commitment like I want to be all in Jesus I want to follow you 
into your mission and I want to partner with you and see you use these hands, these lips to bring hope into the, the hopeless situations that are around me. So why don't I just pray to finish and then Nick and Claire, if you can take it away. Holy Spirit, Lord, we are, we are a church. We are part of your missional movement. We recognize that you are calling people all around the world and you are calling the people that are around us that we know and care about. And we know that we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready to respond. That you are leading us into more and more fruitfulness, that you are shaping KCC, helping us to grow as a community of disciples who make disciples who make disciples, bringing hope to the hopeless. We want to be ready. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just give you the space to and the permission to, to speak into our hearts, to strengthen our resolve and to be aware of the cost of inaction uh, and, and to allow your, your compassion to fill our hearts and drive us. Will you just come now, fill our hearts with your love, fill our hearts with your love. We just give you this space now. In Jesus' name, amen.